let's move on to our next question then, which is, could the local plan include conditions for new houses, which include using grey water, installing air source heat pumps or solar panels and allowing space for wildlife? Chris White. Well, I mean, I hate to give a one word answer, but yes and yes and yes. I mean, yes, it must. That's what I was saying right at the beginning when I was saying, you know, the local plan is key to this, being influenced now by the climate emergency when previous editions were not or could not be. But all of those are essential. Um, whether we actually have always the legal powers to do that is a negotiation we have to have with central government. But at the very least, we should say that um, it's strongly encouraged. And where possible, we should use whatever legislative powers we have as a council to introduce all of those measures and indeed many, many more. Mary Maynard. I agree with Chris. I think we should, um, yes, yes, yes. Um, but many more than that is possible. Um, we should set standards on the level of insulation. We set standards on building styles. We set standards on things like um, green hedges and around, um, around sites. Um, we already have 40% uh, of any site should be green. And uh, I would, you know, we could up that or we could, uh, we could make it more stringent. But I think there are many things we can do with the local plan that will promote a sustainable agenda and um, completely support any ideas that come forward to do that. Simon Grover. Yeah, I agree with all the above. I mean, I think I understand um, from, from planning officers that actually, in some cases, you don't want to be too specific about what you put into the local plan because it's got to last for decades. I mean, some of the technology doesn't exist yet or does, but hasn't hasn't got commercially uh, viable. So actually, you don't want to necessarily say you must have an air source heat pump. You want to say things like you must have the best available technology to do X, Y, and Z. That's for some of the things like wildlife areas that you can definitely say how much you want of that because we know about the technology of wildlife. It's been around for a while. So there's that there's that idea that you want to be specific in some areas but but general in others but the key to it is going to be enforcing it uh, because even whatever powers the central government are unlikely to give us when developers come forwards and say well we've done this plan and uh, yeah we know we said that we were going to do all these measures but actually we're not going to we can't afford to that's the point where the councillors need to come in like a ton of bricks and say no we absolutely insist and we're going to make life very difficult for you uh, in various ways that we can do and again the more greens that are there saying that the, the clearer it is that St Albans district as a community takes these issues seriously and wants developers to bring forward the best possible housing um, both in terms of uh, retrofitting and insulating and so on the housing that we've already got but in the local plan where we're going to build all these new houses. Ian Grant. The answer is yes 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 we can do all of that and we should be looking to use our local plan to uh, build the best possible localities and communities for the people who are going to live in the new housing that's built. Um, particular concern of mine is to is to, is to push for uh, more local uh, play areas for very young children. It's fine if you've got older children who can get themselves independently to something that's nearly a kilometre away, but if you've got small children, that kilometre is a real barrier to actually getting your children out to uh, enjoy uh, the outside experience. And I think it's really important that we look to the local plan to promote things like that, to promote uh, greater cycling, um, things like cycle storage, for example. Um, there's no reason why, why if we're having cycle stores built in, in individual homes, we can't also look to uh, promote that uh, on street 
Uh, and I think we just have to use the local plan in the best possible way to get the best result for our communities. Okay, let's move on to our next question, which is, what steps would your party take to engage businesses, parish councils, charities, faith organisations and residents to help the whole district become net zero carbon, not just the council itself? Mary Maynard. Well, I have experience of pulling together um, various groups across a town with Harford and Cares, which I set up. One of the things I've found is if they believe in the vision you set forward and how you intend to deliver it, they will they will work with you. Most um, faith groups, most charities are completely committed to uh, climate change, uh, um, reducing climate change and improving sustainability. I think actually you're going to be pushing at an open door here and they'll all be more than willing to help. It's just setting up the structures and the processes that they can, they can work with you and that they can bring forward ideas for you to um, work with them to implement. Simon Grover. Yeah, it's really important that the, the council plays this role. It's, it's, it's been identified by, by everyone in this business as, as being a key way to, to reduce uh, to reduce carbon emissions and, and get to net zero carbon um, in time that we need to do it. So there's, there's definitely obviously a role for, for individual action, for action from businesses, residents, parish councils and, and, and so on. But I do sometimes get nervous that people forget that actually the main bulk of the work needs to be national and international. So we mustn't say it's one or the other. It's got to be both. Um, but yes, I think I think the way to achieve that in terms of encouraging people is kind of think what Mary was saying is, is the council needs to present itself in the best possible light to be doing really great stuff, to be talking about it, communicating what the council's doing and saying again, St. Norman's District is a place where this kind of stuff goes on. Be a part of it, join in, look what the council's doing, set a good example uh, and be a hub for information so that if people want to do this stuff, they can come to the council and they know these guys know what they're talking about. They can they can recommend and point me in the right direction and help me do what I want to do. Ian Grant. Yes, I'd see the council's role very much as a facilitator. Uh, the council is not the, 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 the font of all knowledge. It, it has a, a role as, a, as a, an exemplar and has good projects and practices to point to. Uh, but equally, uh, there's a lot of good ideas out there that really need to be brought together and promoted more widely. So, so that, that's, that's, I would see, where the council comes in. It is, it's, it's inviting businesses um, and these other organisations with those good ideas to come and share them more widely it's it's it's, it's a, a no-brainer in that sense the ideas are there we just need to share them and then implement them more widely chris white uh, before covid hit there were plans um sketchy plans but but plans nevertheless uh, to have some sort of uh, local climate summit because i think we need to be talking much more about this much less about some of the other things which which are can be often distracting issues in the district this is the most important thing this is this is not the elephant in the room this is the room uh, and getting people in some sort of summit taking things away meeting perhaps regularly once a year to say what they've contributed learning from each other uh, will help to emphasize this sort of thing in other respects it's talking talking to businesses we already do that um, yeah, talking to um, certainly recently the cathedral, the cathedral is very sensitive because uh, let's face it, Church of England has got quite a lot of quite energy inefficient uh, buildings, which uh, it needs to maintain. Um, and other faith groups are, are in a similar position. Parish councils are actually pretty good. I mean, they're, they're, they are leaders already in many cases. Um, and I think there's also this, this idea of leading by example. 
Um, uh, one of the things, for instance, that's happening is that Morgan Sindel, who, who do the repair work on the housing stock, are switching to electric vehicles. Electric, this is not electric cars, this is electric trucks. And once businesses see that there is a commercial organisation using electric vehicles, then perhaps they'll be less worried about the consequences. So leading by example, I think, as, uh, as, as others have said, is absolutely vital in this. Thank you. Uh, our next question is, St Albans formally adopted a sustainability and climate crisis strategy in 2019 and set goals for reducing emissions across the district. What plans do you have to encourage a modal shift away from private motor vehicles and towards active travel, in other words, cycling and walking? We'll start with Simon Grover from the Green Party. Yeah, I think we've um, we've kind of touched on some of these issues issues already. Um, you know, the importance of, of cycling. You know, we'd like to see cycle lanes, um, as has been mentioned. Uh, we don't necessarily have the best uh, streets to support that, but that's kind of the city centre. Outside the city centre, there's a lot of opportunities to improve cycling. We've got our our green ring, but how well publicised is it? Not very. You know, you can buy a map that says it, and but you'd never know that you were on the green ring. Um, if you didn't didn't know it was already there, um, so cycling and walking is a, is a key point. You know, pavements. Um, why why is there so much talk about potholes on the roads uh, instead of potholes on the pavements, which are equally lethal in the sense that you know they can kill you, fall over, and break a hip. Um, you know that that whole idea that the that the focus of um, of budget in these areas in, in terms of fixing the things that we use to get around needs to be changed. Um, we haven't mentioned buses very much. There was some exciting talk a few years ago about places like um, companies like Arriva bringing in small buses that maybe even operate on a sign of Uber type, type style to get people back onto public transport, cheap public transport. Um, that seems to have disappeared. I'd like to see that come in. So there's, there's all sorts of ways that you can do that. And it's not just about sticks to stop people getting in cars. It's a lot, a lot to do with carrots as well. Ian Grant for the Labour Party. Yes, so, I mean, Simon's absolutely right. We have the, we have a green ring, which is uh, good for going around the outside. We have much less clear signage and routes to get into the city centre. So we do need to, to look at whether we can establish routes that, that will make that possible um, other than just using the regular road. So that's, that's looking at cycle lanes. Um, I think we need to look to reduce car use by providing alternatives to people. Carpooling, car sharing, we can promote those a lot more than we do at the moment. Um, you know, we can make designated parking places for those which will uh, promote their use. Um, in terms of uh, cycling, um, one of the things you want to be able to do if you're cycling from A to B is to put your bike somewhere secure at the other end of it. So I think that's that, that's a job of work to look at where, where cycle stores are needed. Um, we know that a neighbouring authority has got a very extensive um, cycle loan scheme, um, and maybe we should look at that and see whether we couldn't imp implement something like that in St Albans as well. Chris White for the Liberal Democrats. Yeah, just... Looking at cycling in particular, um, making making cycling safe in terms of property ownership, um, some really good strides have been taken at the station. There is a much better uh, cycling facility there, but we need the equivalent in the centre of town. We also need to think about those people who live in accommodation where cycling actually um, uh, is extremely difficult. I mean, if you live in a block of flats, then no one's going to love you if you if you and, and that indeed 
quite rightly, if you block up these stairways with, with cycles, if we need to find some sort of scheme by which um, external safe cycling uh, units can be cheaply purchased for blocks of flats. Um, we also need to have a close look at what Watford are doing as one, again, a, a COVID victim. I actually had it in my diary to go and visit Watford to look at their barrel bikes, but uh, uh, COVID came along and the barrel bike scheme didn't take off very quickly for two years and therefore I didn't go, but it's certainly in my diary uh, to do uh, after May. Um, and I think um, we also need to look at the mapping and signing. Uh, I live just off London Road. Um, this morning I watched uh, three cyclists struggling up London Road alongside the cycle track but not using it. Now, some of that is its design, but some of it I think it's so poorly indicated now that people don't actually realise there is a cycleway alongside London Road. And we've got to look at all that sort of thing because we have lots of secret facilities for cyclists and we perhaps ought to make them a little less secret, as I think has been suggested by others. Mary Maynard for the Conservatives. Um, we've done a lot of work on this um, in Harpenden. I'd like to spread that into St Albans. Um, for example, here we have the Harpenden Hopper, which is a, a little minibus which goes around and enables people to get a lift in and out of the town centre. There is no reason why a similar scheme shouldn't run in St Albans. Um, of course, the Conservatives put in the green cycle ring around St Albans. And there was always a second phase, which was, that was the hub. There was always a second phase of the spokes. That's disappeared. I think we have to um, revisit that and work out how we can get spokes into the city from that, from that green ring. The third thing I would do, I would say, is that um, the punitive aspect of um, you, you have to walk or you have to cycle and we're going to make it difficult for you if you want to take a car, has to stop. Walking and cycling is great for many people and should be strongly encouraged. However, if you're older or um, you have mobility problems, stopping you able, being able to get into the towns or city centres is just plain wrong. So I would suggest that we have to be very careful in the sticks we use and maybe focus more on the carrots because they work better in the long run anyway. Thank you. Um, the next question is, if your party isn't elected, how will you work cross parties to support those who are elected to implement their environmental policies? And we'll start with Ian Wright for Labour. Ian Grant, excuse me, for Labour. Well, I think, I think you can hear from the responses to many of these questions, there is actually a lot of agreements, even though we may be coming at this from different angles. So um, I don't see a problem in working on many of these issues on a, on a cross-party basis. And in fact, uh, on, 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 in many areas, we, we do work already uh, on a cross-party basis. So I don't, um, in, in one sense, I don't see a problem in, in terms of uh, what, the, what, what the questioner is raising. Um, you've, you've heard the commitments that we've given and uh, we, are, we are all committed to a, a greener and a better district. And um, uh, so whoever you elect, I think we will be moving in that direction. Chris White for the Liberal Democrats. Yeah, I mean, it's not always easy to work on a cross-party basis, but I think this is an area where it has proved fairly straightforward, and that certainly is how the strategy came about, uh, working on a cross-party basis and also on a broader basis, involving people who are not councillors, organisations which had something to contribute. So I think there's no danger that anyone who's not elected uh, on this uh, 
uh, broadcast tonight uh, will uh, suddenly think, well, I wasn't that bored about the environment anyway, so I'll just go and, um, well, not weed my garden because that would be environmental, but they're not going to put their feet up. This is too important. I mean, uh, we've got we've only got eight years to go to 2030, and if we miss that, then we've had it. Mary Maynard for the Conservatives. Thank you. Um, I, I agree with Ian and Chris. We have worked cross-party. I think the frustration I'm showing tonight is... Um, we're at the stage now where the talking should stop and we have very clear, we've got lots of great ideas which have been brought in by all sorts of people and we have to get, we have to be much more focused on delivery. So if we weren't elected, if I wasn't elected, what I would be doing is snapping at the heels of those people who were saying, why isn't this being delivered? Just basically um, um, focus on what measures are you using for these projects? When are you going to deliver them? And how well are you doing um, in the project to do it? I think that would be a role that would be uh, very useful for those councillors who are no longer um, in power. Simon Grover for the Greens. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, working cross parties is all I've ever done because um, it's only been me, so I've had no choice. And, and I've got less bad at it over time. Um, and uh, so that's how I've managed to achieve what, what, what I have achieved with, with support from my Green uh, colleagues outside the council. Um, you know, when I first got elected, actually the council was hung, it was very finely balanced and I was in the very fortunate position of uh, effectively holding the balance of power. I was able to get off to a flying start. Um, it's not been quite so easy all the time since then. Um, but, you know, in the unlikely event that on May the 5th, um, the Greens don't sweep to power in St Albans, um, I will definitely continue to work with um, work across party and, you know, behind the scenes as well with officers. We've got many, many very fine uh, council officers um, at the council who work hard and are very good at what they do and believe in what they do um, and are very supportive of the sorts of issues that we've been talking about tonight. And so it's not always necessary even to, to work cross party. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, revealing anything that the other people on this call don't already know. Uh, you know, we, we work we work behind the scenes. It can often be quicker and more effective. Um, so I'll definitely continue to do that. But, you know, politics is about priorities. Um, so you can always choose to do one thing instead of the other. My priority will always be the environment and sustainability. Thank you. Uh, our next question is, how would you change the current process which sees tree protection orders easily overturned, healthy trees, both private and public, felled for reasons other than safety, trees felled before most people even know about it, private homeowners ripping out front gardens and replacing with driveways, which shows that car ownership comes before environment. Uh, Chris White for the Liberal Democrats. Yeah, there's a, a raft of different things there. Some of this is, uh, is is related to developing a new local plan. It was touched on earlier by Simon when we're talking about front gardens. Certainly when I moved into my house, uh, I discovered that there was a plastic sheet underneath the not very nice um, gravel that they put on the front garden and the plastic sheet was impermeable. So my contribution, a small contribution to the environment, was actually to get rid of the non-permeable plastic sheet put proper plants in uh, and have a decent front garden, which actually uh, is environmentally sound. So encouraging people to do that, make it much more difficult for people uh, to use front gardens for other purposes is clearly something that needs to be in the local plan and not just in the conservation area. Uh, in terms of TPOs, I mean, this, 
I have looked into this, and and um, it, 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 it's there's less of this going on than I think that people fear. Nevertheless, you have to move very, very fast. There's a tree behind my house. My next door neighbour noticed that the neighbour behind us, who was now gone, thankfully, uh, was starting to cut it down and got the council to move straight away. So it, it does require eyes and ears to be out. But that's often the case with planning enforcement, um, because um uh people are quite crafty and they know that if they move quickly enough then they will catch everybody off guard this happens of course um uh, at um, on fridays with certain encampments which are not welcome in certain parts of the district uh, those who wish to do these things know their way around the system but uh, planning enforcement is something that we are moving to improve working with neighboring councils to make sure it's a much more effective service than currently it is because it's not good enough at the moment mary maynard this whole issue is really interesting because it's the interaction of um, government policy about TPOs, um, the resources of the council to actually do something about it, and um, the will of councillors to, to um, put the resources in that are needed. Um, like Chris, in my area, if anyone goes anywhere near a tree with a saw, I can tell you that my phone is off, off the hook within 15 minutes. Somebody tried to cut down a tree in one street. I had five calls in half an hour and I had the, the tree officer down there within an hour and it was stopped. So it is possible if people are vigilant, you can stop this sort of thing. It was a developer trying to take a tree out so they could put in a planning application for a much bigger house. Um, I think we have to protect our trees. And one of the things one of my colleagues um, put to council, and I think we should really be looking at it, was to have um, a, an audit of the trees in the the trees in the area, and a lot more work done on how many of them should have TPOs and how we protect them moving forward, including charging developers huge amounts if they try to take them out. Thank you, Simon Grover. Um, yeah, one of the problems with coming last in one of these things is, is uh, that people say good things and you've got nothing to add. I, I don't have that much to add there. I think um, those points were, were really excellent, very well made. I think um, the only thing to add would be on the, on the other side of, of, of planting new trees. And we're, we're seeing that now in our district. And that's absolutely great. And again, as people get that sense that St Albans District is a place where we value our trees, where we build, where we build, where we plant more trees where we can, and and we and we 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 celebrate our trees for all the many reasons that that, that we should be celebrating. The harder it will be to, for people to to sneakily go around and, and cut them down. Yes, we can come down hard on developers, but but often people just just don't know, you know, and they say, oh, well, I've got a garden tree, I'll just take it down. You know, we need we need to um, help people to understand that that's not the way we want to do business. Ian Grant. Um, well, I, the, the first, first thing I, I would say as, as someone who, who, who did have a sycamore removed is that uh, there is a process if you have a tree that you are concerned about. In my case, it was very close to the house um, and the council will come out and assess it. And, um, and I think a lot of the uh, people who undertake regular tree work locally are very aware that the council is is. Is, is not pleased to see trees with TPOs being removed, um, and as well as, as, as local residents uh, being aggrieved about it, uh, a lot of contractors simply won't take that work on. So um, 
I think there is an awareness about it. Um, one of the other speakers mentioned enforcement, and obviously one of the, the most important things, if you're going to have a, a pre-preservation order, is actually to be able to, to uphold it and actually say to someone uh, what you can and what you can't do. Um, and uh, so I, I think there may be a resource issue in terms of how, how the council goes about, about that. In terms of private homeowners taking out their front gardens, uh, it, it's a terrible shame they do own their front gardens. Obviously, one can uh, put in certain conditions in terms of uh, not creating hard standing. But if someone wants to put a porous surface they can put a car on, regrettably at the moment, there's, there's not much you can do about it. Thank you. Our next question is many of the issues that have been spoken about this evening involve changing the mindset of a community. Aside from education around specific issues, how do the candidates think this can be achieved? Uh, and we'll start with Mary Maynard. I actually sold a management consultancy for years um, and uh, I got quite good at it in the end. But after 30 years of doing it, I learned something, which is that people only buy um, something that benefits them. And they'll only buy from you, whether it's an idea or or a service or a product, if they feel it genuinely benefits them, benefits their family and benefits the community. So we have to stop uh, preaching at people about why they should do things and actually find the messages which tell them why they personally and their family will benefit. And it could be, for example, insulate because it will reduce the co your cost of heating. And believe me, that message will really strike home at the moment. And um, it could be put solar panels up because over a 10 year period, your costs will come right down. I know somebody who's just spent a huge amount on solar panels because that's what they're trying to achieve. So it's finding what will motivate people and make them want to do things, not preaching at them what you think about it. That's what actually works. Simon Grover. Yeah, we've talked already a bit about how the council can set an example, and I think um, the, the key to that um, is, is often set an example where, where you can physically see what the council is doing. It's not just you know, a policy that, that, that I only know <laughs> about if I read it on the council website. Um, so I think, you know, this is where projects like Wildest and Dorman's one, which I mentioned at the very beginning, um, has one of the many ways in which that project has, has great potential because it's very, very visible. It's about bringing together all the fantastic environmental uh, sustainability climate change reducing ideas that are already going on all around the district, celebrating those crucially, um, uh, showing what people are already doing, inviting people to join in, connecting groups together. Um, the, 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 the Wildest and Organs project is creating a fantastic map where you can just go on, you can zoom right into your street, you can zoom right out, you can see what else is going on, you can look at it by theme. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really exciting way of celebrating what community groups are, are already doing and inviting people to, to join in with that. I think if people see this stuff going on around them, it becomes part of the conversation. And it becomes part of uh, what people feel about the, the community that they, that they live in, rather than just being told what, that what they need to do, what they should be doing. Ian Grant. 
Yes, I think visibility is is very important. And to to, to take a specific example at the moment, the uh, the council is is consulting on whether people would like um, on street bike lockers. But uh, to get to it, you have to go to the front page of the council website. You have to view more services. You have to know it's community and living. You drill down to walking and cycling, and then on the next click, you can find it. So. Uh, the council's actually, you know, consulting on something that's a good idea, but to be honest, it's buried away. So in some cases, it's about just being smarter with the things that are going on, giving them that kind of visibility and prominence so that you, you can you can get buy in. I think Mary is absolutely right. You have to be able to pr- demonstrate to people that there is a there is a benefit to them. It's not just I'm doing this because it'll make me feel good. Actually, there is a tangible benefit. And if you provide bike lockers, then more people will, will, will feel comfortable about taking bikes uh, out onto the road because they know they've got somewhere to store it and they've got somewhere uh, that they can they, they can put it in at the other end. So I think it's about it's about promotion. It's about promoting best practice um, and, and looking at how we're getting the message out there and maybe doing that a bit more, bit more smartly. Chris White. Yeah, a friend of mine in, in London uh, has been nagging me for two years uh, and sending me um, virtually seemingly every week the uh, e-news, which is produced by her council. Uh, and I have now um, persuaded uh, officers that we actually need to move away from a paper-only uh, way of communicating with residents into something which is a bit more up-to-date. Uh, I think Ian's criticism is utterly valid. Um, it's, we, we, we are in danger of hiding things away. Uh, talking loudly about some issues, but not talking about the big thing, which is, is climate. We need, we need to move to uh, monthly communications where this sort of consultation uh, lands in your inbox if you've subscribed, and then you can actually participate in that consultation. We can't get rid of paper altogether because not everyone is online, but many, many people are, and indeed prefer that as a way by which communications take place. And then we can do cross-advertising, and the council should be using that, for instance, to advertise SustFest. Um, it's, it's all very well providing a small subsidy to, to, to make it successful, but uh, uh, that's got to be seen as part of our life. If you've not been to see the stalls at SustFest, well, you know, you're missing out on something. Um, so getting, getting a big dialogue going and working uh, with that dialogue from the grassroots upwards, uh, we can actually create something very, very exciting in this district. Before we take our last question, and um, I'd just like to see if we can get our, our poll up again. Um, we'd like to ask uh, attendees if we can pop the poll up. <laughs> I don't know who's, who's, who's pushing the poll up, but if they can, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Uh, do you think we're currently doing enough in St Albans to address the climate crisis? Just, uh, just answer yes or no, if you could, just before we take our final question for our panellists. Uh, this evening um, just give a few seconds for people to answer do you think we're currently doing enough in St Albans to address the climate crisis okay oh it disappeared without oh there we go um, well it seems like we're not so um, uh, if you get elected you've got your work <laughs> cut out everyone okay um, let's move on to our last question um, which is uh, how will you promote rewilding funding, education and onboarding of parks, contractors and residents? And how could the process of granting tree preservation orders be speeded up? Two questions in one there, really. So we'll try and get good value for money. How would you promote rewilding and how can uh, the process of granting TPOs be speeded up? Uh, And if I can try and keep in order, um, I think it's Simon Grover first on this one. 
Okay, I've just I've just spoken about rewilding as it happens as, as my example in the previous question. Um, but yes, I would I would definitely recommend if you haven't um, checked out the Wildest and Auburn's website. Uh, it's a joint uh, production, as it were, between the, the council who are kind of largely funding it and the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust, who we're lucky enough to um, have a trust based in St Albans. Um, and, and, and together they, they've worked out this fantastic scheme. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, just kind of warming up. It started its first few projects. Um, it has project groups looking at different, different areas like um, rivers and lakes um, and uh, wildlife and trees and so on. Um, and so there's a great opportunity for people to get involved in um, the areas that they're particularly interested in. So yeah, as, I, as I've already said, I would like to see the council continue to uh, promote this and, and promote it further and for people to get involved in that. Thank you. Ian Grant. Um, in terms of the process of granting pre-preservation orders, I think that's probably a resource question. So that, that comes back to where the council is spending its money and, um, and committing its officer time. Um, in terms of promoting rewilding, I think I think the really important point part of that is is, is the the end part, the residents. I think you have to have residents on board. Um, some some people um, like to see, for example, verges with very clean cut edges, and they don't like the idea of, of, of verges being rewilded. Other people are very keen on rewilding it. So I, I think it's a case of of initiating that kind of discussion. Hopefully, re reaching some agreement on yes, maybe some areas are not suitable for re rewilding, but what are the areas which are um, and then I think if you've got if you've got local community support there's there's a much greater chance that the initiatives will be successful um, I find it a bit sad to um, see a lot of the trees that have gone in have got a little please water me tag hanging off it um, which is admirable at the start but it's a shame that, that that hasn't actually been already sorted before the trees go in. Chris White. Incidentally, I'd have voted uh, no in the poll alongside everyone else, uh, because all of us need to do more. Uh, every day we need to do more. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, rewilding and so forth, uh, again, going back to promoting through e-newsletters, we've got to use these much more. The council's terribly, terribly old-fashioned and backward on this. And if we're not using modern technology, then people don't know what's going on. They're not going to get out of the local paper because uh, uh, the readership of that's gone down. They're not going to get it out of uh, community news because it's another just another piece of paper through the door which goes into recycling. So, yeah, uh, that sort of thing needs to be done. And also, I think we probably need to look at the Climate Summit to promote all of this. Uh, on TPOs, uh, the council's already on it. I mean, the uh, way the council was organised was, was was in a series of silos, and, and the worst was in terms of anything to do with uh, trees, because trees fell under planning, and it fell under this, and it fell under that. Uh, fundamentally, TPO is a transactional uh, issue, um, which does not require, until the decision stage, skilled labour. Uh, and so the whole of the council has been reorganised so that transactional relations with the council are dealt with by people who process transactions, and then the specialists, the costly specialists who are difficult to recruit, are brought in when they are necessary. They're not actually just doing mindless paperwork. Uh, that is already being done using artificial intelligence uh, or, or other means. So we're very much on that in the council's restructure, which uh, is currently taking place in order to improve services to local residents. Mary Maynard. Sorry, TPO is a really easy, just put more people on it. You don't need big restructures. Um, the rewilding is an interesting one because when you talk about um, letting the grass grow on verges and putting a few pretty flowers in it, that isn't rewilding. Rewilding is, uh, is actually just looking at ecosystems and encouraging them to go back to what they would naturally have been. The biggest way you could do that in St Holmes is not, not faff about with the odd roundabout. 
is to encourage people to do something in their gardens. And I've been playing with this for years. You just leave an area of your garden and you do nothing to it and you see what happens. And I think if everybody start, if we encourage people and, and we work with them to do that, if you combined the, 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 the tens of thousands of gardens in our community, you suddenly start to have a massive area where we, we could see a real impact on the local community. And rewilding like this fits with things like um, animal highways so that animals can move around. It fits with maybe taking a more holistic view of our community rather than just focusing in on what councils actually own the parks and the green spaces. And I think that not much has been done on that. And I think there's a huge opportunity to, to, to um, promote diversity through it. Okay, and that was our final question. There is one final poll for our attendees this evening, if we could uh, bring that up. And the question is, has what you have heard this evening helped inform your choice on the 5th of May? So has what you've heard this evening helped inform your choice uh, when you go to vote, if you haven't already uh, made your postal vote? Well, 82% of people say that, yes, this evening has helped inform their choice. Um, I'm sorry for the five people where it didn't, but we hope you found it at least informative in any case. Um, I'd just like to say thank you very much to the panellists this evening for their time, uh, for people from uh, St Albans Friends of the Earth for organising this and uh, for keeping it to time and working all the technology. And I'd just like to say what a privilege it's been for me uh, to be involved, especially in these difficult times in uh, a bit of local democracy. So uh, thank you, everybody. Um, the recording of the podcast will be available on the Radio Verulam website uh, in around 24 hours time. That's at radioverulam.com. Amanda. Nick, I'd just like to say thank you so much for the excellent job that you've done this evening. I'm sure everybody will join me in thanking you and making this event the success that it's been. Thank you so much. As you say, thank you also to all the people who've both been working behind the scenes, Neil on the timer, Catherine, who's been helping us with tech support, and to Colin, who's been helping with questions. Um, if I could just draw your attention to the fact that if you hadn't already realised, um, the St Albans Sustainability Festival will be coming up soon. If you take a look on the website, you'll see that the programme is now live. And the next St Albans Friends of the Earth event will be during the Sustainability Festival on Sunday, the 22nd of May, um, from noon to three o'clock, when you're invited to bring a plastic-free, perhaps plant-based picnic along to the water meadows in Verulamian Park and come along and do a bit of networking with the other people there. So thank you very much again to, to Nick and to all our panellists this evening. Please don't forget to vote on the, on the 5th of May. This is what democracy is all about. So thank you for coming and setting these excellent questions this evening and enjoy the rest of your evening. <laughs>